It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. Hello, this is Football Social Daily, the Premier League preview show where you get all the insight and information you're going to need ahead of another weekend of Premier League action. So on the way, we are going to focus on the big Sunday game, the M62 derby, Liverpool versus Manchester United. It's a little bit like Deontay Wilder having a fight with your mate Dave on paper, but you know what? United the only team to take points on Liverpool in the Premier League this season so far. Also, we're going to be catching up with Mo from the Anfield Rap. He'll hopefully give us a bit more of an insight into uh, what this game's going to entail on Sunday. Plus, also, as the relegation battle in intensifies in the Premier League uh, the two teams propping up the table go head to head at Carrow Road with Norwich welcoming the man who's never seen a P45 in his life the unsackable man himself Eddie Howe and his struggling Bournemouth team plus also on the way this weekend we'll see if uh, Ralph Hasenhutl can uh, keep his Southampton resurgence going as they host Wolves so you know what I need a bit of help to do this I'm Adam Brown by the way uh, and helping me today is uh, the wonderful Sam Lee the Manchester City correspondent for The Athletic alright Sam alright mate also, Mark Critchley, the Northern Correspondent for The Independent. Hello, Hello. Mark. Hello. And Fergal Brennan as well, journalist, podcaster, and all-round maverick of uh, the Football Social. How are you? Hello. Of course, right. Okay. All-round maverick. Thanks for that. Is that that's nice, I'm, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm impressed. Right, okay. So, uh, we're going to start with a big one. We're talking the M62 derby. Liverpool hosting United at Anfield. Traditionally, there'd be a lot at stake in this game, wouldn't there? There'd be the, the, the build-up would be intense. You'd be thinking, oh, it's a... Big, big title game this. It couldn't be any more different this season. Uh, Sam, let's start with you then. Uh, How do we see this going? Well, I don't know. First of all, I suppose it's a, more like a role reversal from that. I don't know. Well, any point over the Premier League era, apart from a few seasons, it's not often that Liverpool and United were both going for the title. More often than not, it was Liverpool struggling. But they'd, you know, hope to derail United a bit. How do we see it going? Like you said earlier on, it seems like a massive mismatch and it probably will be. Still expect Liverpool to win. But... United were really well set up in that in that game at Old Trafford. Um, it felt like an equaliser was coming towards the end. Klopp changed up really well. United's reactions were kind of just basically put more defenders on. So it was no surprise when Liverpool did equalise. Um, I still think I think Liverpool will be fine this weekend. Like any, like when you're looking at it from City point of view, or you're looking at City's games from Liverpool point of view, you think, oh, they're playing Spurs, they're playing Chelsea this weekend, they're playing Arsenal. Maybe they'll drop points. 
But in terms of that top six, I think the top two have pulled away so far. The other top six teams aren't really a problem. I know City have had a couple of issues this year, lost to United, but by and large, those two teams are much better than the rest, and I expect that to be the case again this weekend. Uh, Mark, obviously there's uh, a couple of kind of returns and also injuries for both teams. Uh, obviously, looking at Liverpool, looking like they might have um, a couple of players coming back. Uh, I think that's going to affect things. Obviously, United look like Rashford is pretty much expected to miss the game. How do you think the you know the returns from injury and the injuries are going to affect things? Um, I think the big one is Rashford, really, in terms of just how this game could play out. Um, I agree with Sam saying, I thought, to be honest, like it seems like a mismatch, but Solskjaer's United, I think, have caused more problems for Liverpool than maybe only Ancelotti's Napoli over the last year or so, from when I've seen them. They've always gone with a game plan that's kind of shut down the fullbacks, and they've managed to play the ball in behind and get counter-attackers in behind, and Rashford's completely key to that. You know, he is... He is United's top scorer this season. We all know about his speed on the break. And him going down with that back injury against Wolves the other night, you know, Solskjaer admitted it himself afterwards that his decision had backfired and it just feels like, it felt like such an unnecessary and risky move. And and now we're going into this weekend. Solskjaer today said that he wouldn't hold his breath on Rashford being fit. Now, we have heard that type of thing from him in the past, I remember. Yeah. I remember. He, he, he reckons he's Ferguson, don't he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I bet so, he said, oh, should I say it? Should I sound like you? It's so choreographed and telegraphed that, you yeah. know, it's almost embarrassing. He said the same thing about De Gea before the Old Trafford game. So I'm still taking that with a pinch of salt. And I think, given that they've got, you know, there's a lot of games for United at the minute. That's one thing to consider. But they've got Burnley at home. Uh, on I think it's Wednesday night Burnley yeah. in free fall I think you just risk Rashford for, for Anfield on Sunday and, and maybe leave him out of the, of the Burnley game um, if he plays I would give them a slightly better chance of, of maybe nicking a result especially if um, especially if Solskjaer can do what he's done against Klopp on the previous two occasions but towards the end of that Old Trafford game I, I, I felt like Klopp kind of figured him out I felt, I felt like they were moving uh, Henderson wide right and they were occupying United's like presses and markers a little bit more and I, I've got the feeling that Liverpool are going to nick it yeah I, I think it'll be a lot closer than people perhaps think but 1-0, 2-0 something like that I mean the weird thing is uh, Fogel is that United haven't had a bad record against Liverpool in the last sort of five or six you know times no. they've, they've played I mean I'm not saying obviously they're not struggling with United but what what is it about this United team, which arguably has been probably one of the poorest United teams we've seen in, seen in years, what is it about this side that Liverpool seems to have a bit of a problem with? I think there's there's two main reasons for it. One of them, is, as Mark said, Solskjaer in terms of the way that he sets his team up when they play Liverpool, uh, it causes them problems because they're used to uh, opposition teams not pressing their fullbacks. You'd think teams would learn a bit more about that over the last six months, but they don't seem to do that. Um, and I do think we, we shouldn't downplay what a massive game this is. Um, it's still probably still fettered as the biggest game in English football. It's enormous rivalry between the two sets of fans. And I think in terms of that, if there's if there's one thing that Solskjaer is confident of being able to do in certain situations, and that's motivate. You know, we can ask big questions of visibility tactically or the decisions that he makes within games, but he does seem to be a motivator. Not the greatest, but he does seem to have that in his locker. An ability to call on, obviously, his experience as a Manchester United player who scored goals against Liverpool, denied Liverpool um, success in the past as a player. And I think that will play a role in the game this weekend. He knows where United are and he knows that the chances are Liverpool are well and away with this league title. But if they can just dangle a leg, if they can even have that bit of comfort at the end of the season of we didn't lose to, to Liverpool during the season where they went on to win the league. That will be something for him to work with. I know I know this might sound 
almost condescending. I don't mean it in that way, but I think that's that's the way he approaches these games, and that's why he's got relatively decent results against Liverpool. He reminds the players of the importance of this game and the importance to the supporters who have had to suffer quite a bit over the last few years, and that can motivate them. I would agree with Mark, though, that the concern is around the 70-minute mark. I think Manchester United can manage Liverpool for 70 minutes. I worry about their options off the bench. I worry about their ability when Klopp makes changes, whether they're able to react if they've got the options to come on or even in the starting eleven to react to it. So I, I would agree. I think it'll be tight, um, but I, I, I wouldn't be too confident of Liverpool winning this. I mean, looking at some of the uh, people that are potentially missing this game, obviously you mentioned Rashford, the St. Shaw's 50-50. Liverpool are without Keita, Lovren and Milner. I don't think any of those are particularly big misses for Liverpool. On the the flip side, they've got Fabinho and Matip back by the looks of things. So how do you think it's going to affect things, Sam? Do you not think, I mean, do you think both teams have got the squad depth or certain Liverpool have got the squad depth to sort of deal with those? Yeah. um, At the start of the season, again, looking at, like I mentioned earlier, you look at things from certain points of view. Alisson got injured early in the season. He thought that might be a big loss. It wasn't. They coped with that really well. Fabinho was the last one because Fabinho, you know, really come into his own this season in mm. particular. Um, you know, when he went down at the back end of last year, but they've, they've been absolutely fine. So, I mean, him coming back in, if he does, I, I don't think he necessarily will start. But yeah, they've obviously shown they can deal with that. And like I say, I just Liverpool are, are just obviously a really good side. I mean, the record speaks for itself. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't see them. I mean, well, I see them like you know, it might be a. It might be difficult at first to to break down United, but you can just see it being attack against defence for 90 minutes. And unless you're absolutely perfect as a defensive team and you get a bit lucky on the counter-attack, you don't concede any goals from like loose balls or whatever, own goals. It's very, very difficult to pull off a result playing like that. So, yeah, I I think Liverpool will be fine, especially with the injury situation the way it is, like Rashford and that. Rashford's a bigger loss to United because they haven't really got the depth or the coaching to cover it. Liverpool have got both the depth and the and the coaching to cover their losses. So, Mark, say if um, United were to pull this off as a bit of a shock, how are they going to do it without Rashford? Without Rashford? Are we yeah. assuming he's not playing? I'm, 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 I don't believe I, so. I, 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 I don't, do you think he's going to play? I think I think he's got a chance. I think he's got a chance. I think... Um, don't yeah. fall for Ollie Gunnar Ferguson. Just no. yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying it. I bought the De Gea one last time and that was a dummy. So, but, um, okay, okay, let's so, just but go for imagine a scenario. If he plays, whether yeah. he plays or not, how do they do it? I yeah. think... I think it's exactly the game plan that they had at Old Trafford where they came within five minutes of doing it. I think it's, like I said before, I think Robertson and Alexander-Arnold are absolutely key to how Liverpool perform. And if you can manage to keep them in their own half, then you go halfway to, to getting a result. Um, then it's about just making the most of counter-attacks. And to be honest, for all for all that I criticise United and for all that we, we speak about, Solskjaer's lack of perhaps tactical flexibility or, you know intelligence or whatever I think that when they are he's good at that isn't he he's, he's good, good at that they, mm. when they counter attack well, we saw it at the Etihad when they counter attack and they've got that pace on the break they they are generally one of the most effective and devastating teams on the break in definitely in the country and maybe even in Europe it, it sounds it sounds ridiculous to say given the ups and downs that we experience with this United team but when they have space in behind they are good at breaking into it so I think it's that it's playing to the strengths but Sam hit the nail on the head there, I think, where he said that it's very difficult to win games like that. And, you know, like, Solskjaer's, yes, he's not been beaten by Klopp, but he's had two games at Old Trafford now where he's been able to to utilise that game plan and they haven't actually got a victory. So I think it's going to be a much, you know, it's going to be much tougher at Anfield. And, yeah, I'd still fancy Liverpool. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to speak to uh, Mo from the Anfield Wrap uh, shortly. Before we speak to him, 
Uh, Fergal, do you think that there's almost an element of the wind down for Klopp now? I know he's probably he's not the kind of manager that to not have intensity. I'm not saying that, but do you think he's sneakily got one out in the Champions League and he's thinking he've built up such a, a cushion here in terms of points in the Premier League that if we lose against United, all right, the fans will be fuming. But does it really matter in terms of the Premier League? Doesn't I, matter, does it? I think in terms of public, obviously he's never going to say that, not in a no. million years. Um, but I just think by the end of February, as we come out of the you know the newfangled Premier League pretend winter break, they could still be in this position. Would expect them to be at least double figures ahead, and then they've got two massive games against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. So whilst there won't be any great sweeping changes, these players that you mentioned coming back in, someone like Fabinho can come in. That means Henderson can be rested. Someone like uh, Matip comes back in. That means that potentially Van Dijk can be rested, even for a game or two here and there. Um, and that obviously will keep them fresh for the Champions League. Klopp's never going to admit this, mm. particularly uh, ahead of a game against their biggest rivals. But he has to be looking at that. And I think it's only sensible to be looking at that by the end of February of preserving players for Premier League games further down the line. When there's there's winnable games in the kind of March time for them that they want to ensure that they've got all guns blazing going into that last probably half a dozen games of the season. So we're going to speak to uh, Mo from the Anfield Wrap. Hopefully get a bit more of an insight into the uh, Liverpool United game on Sunday. How are you, Mo? You all right, mate? Very good, mate. Very good. Looking forward to it. Sam, you got a question for Mo? Uh, yes, I have. Hi, right, mate. How's yeah. it going? Um, yeah, pretty good. I'm just interested on your thoughts there. We were having a conversation in the studio about potentially Klopp having one eye on the Champions League as the season goes on. But mm. I, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not so sure. I, I thought you might not be either. What do you reckon? Um, I, I think Klopp, he's one of those managers who likes to have short-term and long-term plans. But the period we're in at the moment, it's so been governed by the injury list. And it hasn't been massive long-term injuries. It's been four, five, six weeks here. So he's had to try and manage the squad. If we get to a place maybe by the middle of February, by the time the winter break finishes, where he's got a full squad to choose from, then I think you might see him picking and choosing a few more games. But for now, it's probably a hard one to call. I'd say because so much is up in the air as I say with players coming back Mo obviously there's been uh, talk about some of the uh, potential absentees in the game as well looking from United mm-hmm. perspective uh, with Rashford does it not really matter if Rashford plays or not to you guys <laughs> uh, I mean I, I could just tell you now guys Rashford's playing I think, I think, I think, we, I think we know Rashford's playing uh, Oli tried to do this with the hair in the first game and no one fell for it and I think we're seeing the same thing not just because of the fact that obviously he wasn't on the pitch very long I mean it's a back injury those can vary in, in severity but he is so key to how you guys want to play, how Manchester United wants to play, and he's been your well, Manchester United's best player in many of the games against us. So I can't really see a world where he's not playing. When you look at the situation, Mo, for United, and, and we were chatting about this before before you came on, of it's likely to be almost attack against defence in, in favour of Liverpool. <laughs> Someone like Maguire, who's now been confirmed as, as United full time captain with Ashley Young moving on to Inter Milan. How important will he be for not just probably picking up Firmino in, in a central area, but organising the full-backs, organising Fred in front of him to making sure there's there's no space in front? He's someone that, he's not had an absolutely faultless start to life at no. United, but when you look at the, the game that's going to be ahead of him, he's going to be absolutely vital for United. 
from his perspective, these are the games and the situations that he came to Manchester United for. Uh, he's always looked like he's never shirked any kind of responsibility, like he's wanted to take on the captaincy. And I think giving it to him before this game is a very clever move because it's almost as if they can go into it with a siege mentality. Ashley Young, the former captain, did not want to be at the club anymore. He's no longer at the club. Look, everyone who's in this dressing room wants to be here. We can go out there. We know for them, from their perspective, it's going to be a very difficult game. They are going to have to concentrate for 95, 96 minutes. And for the most part, they are going to be on the defensive. So I can see it working. And yes, he is going to be very important. But at the end of the day, I think every single one of the back seven, if you call it, including Matic and Fred, are going to be very important for Manchester United because the way Liverpool are performing at the moment, we are able to keep our patience and just trust in our game. And any sign of weakness, we can go in there and exploit it. So they're going to have to be concentrating the whole time, all of them. Mo, I was just wondering, do you still think that this, we always like to build it up every year, but it feels like, particularly the last few seasons, maybe even the last decade, it hasn't really ever caught fire as a game. Do you still think it's the biggest mm. game that we've got in English football? Um, I think so. For, I mean, the traditional element is really hard to ignore. I think if you look at the end in terms of how the games have gone, a lot of that is down to, I think, the management at Manchester United over a lot of those years. And even the mindset of Manchester United going into those games, it reminds me very much of when we had Rafa Benitez and Manchester United was still the team to beat. And we had to go into it with, well, maybe a slightly inferiority complex in as much as we know that if we go out and play our best football and they play their best football, we're probably not going to win. And I feel like it, the, 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 the tables have turned on that one somewhat. But in terms of entertainment, uh, I think you find most Liverpool fans enjoy the last time we played you at Anfield. So I hope that this is going to be more of the same on Sunday. Mo, interestingly, um, obviously it's probably the worst United team we've seen in a long time. And we'll talk about this earlier on. And we're saying they've actually not done too bad against Liverpool in, in the sort of last five or six fixtures. Why do you think that is? It's, it's strange. I think psychologically from our point of view as well, there's been a bit of adjusting to being the the, the favourites in this fixture because, as I said, of all the history of recent times. But I feel like we've got there now. And again, as I mentioned before, particularly with the Mourinho days, I'd say a little bit of David Moyes. And, well, Van Hal was very much his own thing. But... Van Gaal and Mourinho in particular, they were very good at coming up with a specific plan for specific games. That's why they were so good in European football. And I feel like part of our psychology of going into those games allowed us to go into that trap. I think we're a very different proposition now as a team mentally to be able to ride any plan that anyone comes with. I think we saw that perfectly in the last game against Spurs. Mourinho had what he thought was a very good plan that worked for quite a period of time, but it still wasn't enough to get them any points. Yeah, Mo, and finally, mate, give us a prediction for Sunday. Um, <laughs> you're not going to like this. Go on. <laughs> uh, I, think, I, think, I think Liverpool will score in the first half. I think Liverpool will score just after half-time. I think Liverpool will score just before the end, and that will make it 3-0. <laughs> well, nearly, oh, lost, nearly, lost, nearly lost count, then. <laughs> uh, nice one, as Mo, for the on-field wrap. Thanks a lot, mate. No problem. See you soon. Nice one. So he's saying 3-0 there, boys. 3-0 I, I, I think yeah. I, I think that's a little bit ambitious I, I still would would err on the side of caution I still think Solskjaer's playing games and I think Rashford's got a good chance of if not starting definitely coming off the bench and this is this is everything for United mm. they 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 and Solskjaer cannot really afford to go to Anfield and get hammered for his own position I think for the fans own mental 
health, I don't think really think they can do that. And I don't think Solskjaer will allow that to happen. I just, yes, Liverpool have been excellent, but also what we've been seeing from Liverpool in the last few weeks is efficiency. 1-0 against Spurs last weekend, getting the three points over the line. That's the focus for them now. And, and Klopp isn't the type of manager to look to kind of look to embellish these things. He just wants to win. Yeah, a couple of predictions from you boys. Mark, what do you reckon? Uh, like I said before, I think it's going to be a tight one. I would, I would, I'm, I'm edging towards like 2-1 now. I think United will pull one back or... Or maybe even go ahead like they did at Old Trafford, but I think Liverpool are going to win. What do you think, Sam? I think it'd be comfortable for Liverpool. I mean, it might be one nil, it might be two nil, but I think we're going to get to the end and go. They completely deserve that. Whatever the score is, I think they'll win, and we'll go. Yeah, fine, fair play. So before we move on, just a quick question, which has been posed by a listener of this podcast, who is kind of taking a different approach to Solskjaer and United. He thinks that Solskjaer might be a little bit hard done by. He thinks that Solskjaer might be getting a bit of a hard time from the media and some sort of sections of the fans as well because of injuries that United have had and also the position they find themselves in the league. Is you know, reliance that he has to have on young players. Mark, do you agree? Is Solskjaer getting a bit of a rough time of it or is this criticism justified? I think... That sometimes, okay, maybe sometimes we're a little bit harsh. So we say the good things, the good things that Solskjaer has done. I think he's genuinely brought about changes within the culture at United that will serve them well in the long run. And maybe that won't serve them that well in the short term. But he doesn't, he doesn't care about that because he cares about the club more than himself. So, for example, you've seen him bring in young players like Brandon Williams, Mason Greenwood. That is going to stand the club great in, in good stead for the long term. But at the same time, I just can't look at the league record and the inconsistency in results and the lack of any kind of tactical plan uh, and, and, and say that we're you know, not being pretty fair on him, really. When you're a club the size of Manchester United, there's a certain... You are so big that you, there's almost a base level of results that you can achieve. And, you know, I, I've heard this week people say things like... Well, my colleague Miguel, he was talking to somebody who uh, works within, I think it was somebody who works at Barcelona, and this guy said, when you're a club the size of Barcelona or United, the kit man could be taking charge and they'd get so many points a certain season. Now, that's a pretty harsh take on Solskjaer's record so far, I think. But there is a level of truth in that, that United are so rich and powerful and so well insulated from a lot of the problems that even lower league, uh, sorry, teams further down the Premier League have, that they're always going to get a certain level of results. So I think you do have to be critical of Solskjaer. And I think by the end of the season, if he's got a cup, if he's got fourth place, I think he'll probably remain in the job. And there's been no sense at any time from within side United that he's in, under any pressure. But if they do miss out on the Champions League, that's two years running. It's a big chunk of the money out of the Adidas kit sponsorship deal. And you start to wonder where do you, where is where is United's stature in, in, in European and world football? You know, are they slightly falling off that pedestal that we have them on. So I think he is deserving of criticism, although he's done a lot of good things. There we go. Hopefully that's answered uh, Dinosaur Thunder's question for us. We're going to move on now uh, to another game happening uh, this weekend in the Premier League. The relegation battle is intensifying the two bottom teams uh, going head-to-head down at Carrow Road. Uh, so Norwich is going to be welcoming Bournemouth. Um, it's going to be an interesting one. There's a lot of people suggesting that if Norwich lose, that is it if people haven't already written them off completely. But Bournemouth is the one that's intriguing me even more because I mentioned earlier on Eddie Howe, a.k.a. the unsackable man. You couldn't, if you wave a P45 in front of that guy, you won't recognise what it is. <laughs> he, he just will not, he will not, they will not sack him. I'm not saying it's the right decision as such, but there's not even a suggestion that there's any pressure on him still, which I find absolutely astounding, to be honest, because they've just had such a dip this year. It's been incredible. So, Carroll Road, uh, relegation battle. Uh, Sam, 
What do you think of this one? Well, it's going to be a stinker, isn't it? Yeah, but it I is because it be. it's like it's, it's just human nature, isn't it? Like they're they're both in like, but they're in terrible runs of form. Like Norwich yeah. have been awful. What was it? One one win in was it sixteen? Seventeen. Seventeen. Well, there we go. Even worse. Um, Bournemouth like really bad run. Um, like th- these aren't the kind of games where you go into thinking we can play with freedom. These are the kind of games you're thinking going. This is a key game, mm. you know, the old six pointer kind of thing. So the you know that you're even more tense, you're even more nervous, you you even more you know it's not good conditions to play football in. It's it should I can't imagine it being a good game. I can't imagine it being good to watch. These are these are two teams in in terrible form. I mean, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Eddie Howe there because they had a lot of injuries. They've had yeah, a hell yeah, of exactly. a lot of injuries, okay. and a squad that's not got massive amounts of depth anyway. Um, it's a must win for Bournemouth because I do feel like if they don't win this game, I mean, they're already in trouble anyway. I think the thing about Bournemouth is the past couple of seasons, around this time of the season, they've never really had that, been in this much trouble. They've always been comfortably 11th, 12th, 13th place and you've always felt they had enough to get over the line. How much trouble are they in? Well, I mean, I, I think with you've always got to look at the table and points mean more than positions. You know what I mean? They, they can be second bottom, mm. but looking at the table, they're... West Ham are only two points above them. They're sixteenth. So that if they beat Norwich and results go their way around them, then suddenly there are, there are a few places higher Look up. Look at Watford. You just need to run. We yeah, exactly. We aren't worried about them next week. I think um, Norwich in Norwich. I think they're they're gone. I think there's only one team that's had fewer points than them at this at this stage of the season has avoided relegation. That was West Brom. I think. Yeah. When they they were the That's ones that were bottom Christmas Day, yeah, yeah they're yeah. like the stat buster on all the relegation teams because they managed to turn it all around. So they're gone as far as I'm concerned. I don't. I, I think with Norwich, we we know Norwich by now, and we kind of know there's not even going to be a change there, despite how mm. disappointing they've been, if you like. Um, with Bournemouth, I think you've just got to take it all in perspective. You know, Eddie Howe, he's been there. I think it's it's going to be his eleventh, the eleventh anniversary of his of the first time he took charge on Sunday. And when he took charge, they were second bottom in League Two out of the whole 92 teams. You know, they, the club was facing financial dissolution. Um, and, you know, so he kind of knows what a crisis is. And although they're on a terrible run of form, although everything's going wrong for them, this isn't quite as big a crisis as I think it's being made out. They just need a couple of results to turn it around. It, it's important to get them and, and Norwich are the type of team that they can take points off. Uh, Fergal, am I being unfair to Eddie Howe? Or is he, I, I mean, they've not been great this season. No, they've they've been dreadful, and you know we kind of laughed when, when Sam you know started off with that. But it, it's true they've they've been awful. Yeah, they've had issues with injuries, but when you look at this game, unless you're a fan of either side, it's very difficult to see how anyone would want to watch this as a game of football. The pressure on the players is huge. The pressure on the manager is huge. You know, you're talking about people's jobs at stake, and not just the managers. Particularly Norwich will know that if they lose this game and they get relegated, there's a fair portion of that squad, but will probably get sold in the summer yeah. uh, or be picking up Championship wages potentially. So. Um, it is a little bit harsh on on Eddie Howe and and Niall raised this point on the the preview show uh, the review show sorry last week of we just tend to kind of gloss over Howe because he's like a ball and people think he's a nice fella and blah 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 and you know obviously Niall says a lot of that with his with his Portsmouth hat on but there is some truth in that of but what has he actually done to get this sort of favour and you're right in saying that he, he wouldn't know a P45 if it hit him in the face and I think that's because he's in this strange situation where. The only time he gets linked with leaving is when clubs get linked with taking him. Yeah. Like he was perpetually linked with Everton when they got rid of um, Kuman and then when they got rid of Marco Silva. And I think that's the situation that he finds himself in. As for Norwich, I do think they're already gone. Uh, I've said it on a couple of podcasts. I think good players, they've got they've done well in certain games. Obviously, the shock result against Man City will 
go down in history for them, for the supporters, but just too naive in terms of the way they play. And I think with Bournemouth, they don't have that naivety. They've got a lot of Premier League experience, but the the experience they've got are the injuries. They've had some really, really, really key players missing for not just short spells, six weeks, eight weeks, and, and it just seems to be getting worse. They're, they're down to the bare bones even in goal now. Mark Travers, the young Irish lad's in goal now, and that's because they've got injuries in almost every position on the pitch. Can't score a goal for fun. Uh, Harry Wilson, Callum Wilson, top scorers, they haven't scored, I think, in nearly two months, either of them. It, it tells its own story. I think I think Bournemouth, uh, sorry, I think Norwich are already gone, but I, I, I think Bournemouth could be as well. I just don't see that they've got that, uh, as Sam said, like the change with Pearson coming into Watford. I don't see where their little injection of life comes from because you need that. You need, if it's a new manager or something, or, or even a signing. Yeah. I can't see them making a signing in January where it goes, right, this is where it turns, guys. Yeah, Callum Wilson's a big one, I think. You know, I remember the last couple of seasons he's been uh, a player who got like 10 to 15 goals for them. And then, you know, that's that's massive for a club that's at that end of the league because it, it just... It just means points. But he hasn't scored, Fergal's right, he hasn't scored since September. I think he hasn't even had a shot on target in like in like 10 games. If, if he can suddenly pick up form again, that's the little injection that you're looking for. Um, but, you know, otherwise it's looking problematic. I think we're talking about injuries. Do you remember David Brooks? Does anyone remember that guy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was brilliant last year. He was brilliant last year, yeah. wasn't he? And we haven't seen him all season. Wow. And we're not going to see him for a while yet. I don't think there's a specified return date for him. So, yeah, they're unlucky. I don't think they're far off turning it around, but it, they do need to turn it around quickly. I mean, I think there's a sense of you know massive overachievement for Bournemouth in, in in the last few years. Obviously, since they got in the Premier League, and Eddie Howe has been you know arguably the catalyst behind that, and he's you know put a good squad together. He's got the infrastructure at the club there, and I think that I do worry that if they go down, and if they sacked Eddie Howe, if if the if the impossible actually happened, I, I worry that they wouldn't have. The, the sort of the ability to come straight back up. You see these teams, you know, like Norwich, like Watford, who kind of do a few seasons and come up and down. They've got that infrastructure, the, the, you know, the, the fan base there. And you do think if Bournemouth got relegated, they're going to straight away, all the top players, Wilson will probably go, Nathan Ake is going to probably go. And what happens then? Do you think that if they do go down this season, that could be the end of Bournemouth in the Premier League for a, a, a large amount of time, Sam? Well, I, I, I'll be honest, it's a difficult question. Um... It, it could I easily be. I know, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. I know where you're coming from. But I think you could kind of you could say that about a lot of teams that go back down. But I just go back going down, but come, and you think, oh, would they come back up again? And obviously, well, I think we felt that with Huddersfield, and it, it's normally a terrorist chant, and it? it's like we'll never play you again when you're playing teams <laughs> yeah. like that who get relegated. <laughs> um, yeah, quite possibly. I mean, if if Hal were to leave, then it would kind of be starting again. Then and I suppose the, the word you used was was overachievement. That's why I kind of feel all this how stuff at the moment is. It's pretty harsh. And the mad thing is, you know, if this had been a few months ago, we'd have been talking about Spurs and people suggesting, oh, maybe Eddie Howe should get it. I'd have been like, what are you talking about? I hate it when, it really winds me up when people say that. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't I don't think he's done anything to, look, you're never going to know until you get it, but I don't think he's done anything to actually earn being linked with Arsenal, yeah. it's just Chelsea, token, It's just token Spurs. chat that people throw around. Yeah, exactly. I, I've never got it. And I've always I've always said that. Like, they beat Chelsea like 4-0 four, four or something around this time last year. And it was on match today. I think it was Jenis again going, oh, why, why doesn't he get linked with the big jobs? Like, have you looked at their results? They lost like the last nine games. That's <laughs> why. get linked with the big jobs. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, but, that, but that said now, give, uh, give, give the man a break. Like, he, he shouldn't be in that conversation, but I don't think he should yeah. be in the conversation of busted flush either. I, th- I, think, I don't know where they're going to get this spark from, but I think, I think they'll be all right. I think they'll turn it around. I think they'll get the results. I'm not, maybe it's players coming back from injury, as Mark said. Um, 
I think they'll be all right. And then that would mean that we don't have to have this conversation about what they'd be like if they went down. I don't know. Maybe maybe if they did go down, they'd really struggle. But honestly, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't think, obviously, the increased form of uh, Southampton and Watford have helped out either. I don't, that's something probably we didn't even expect almost. No. And it's kind of put them... It's, it's, they've kind of just dropped in there, haven't they, really? And suddenly you're like, whoa, they're in big trouble. And I think, yeah, from, from a mentality point of view, players know where they are in the kind of food chain of the Premier League. And they're looking at what's happened with Watford. And Watford are not playing amazing football but they've got a system they've got a lot of confidence they've got their key players back now the likes of Deeney back and, and scoring goals as well and you you naturally you look around and you go why isn't that happening for us nothing seems to be breaking for us we we don't seem to be getting a, a VAR call in our favour or, or a lucky point here away from home or God if someone would just stop getting injured stop turning your ankle on the training pitch and none of that seems to be happening and yes it's bad luck and we can talk about these things but ultimately these things rack up over the course of the season and as I say, until that turns, and I find it difficult to see where it is going to turn, I think they're in big trouble. Let's get a quick score prediction for uh, Norwich and Bournemouth. Sam, what are you saying? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's huge. Minus like, one, minus breath. one. No, yeah. no, I don't know, because I can't work out if it's going to be terrible in the sense of nil-nil, or terrible in the sense of, it might be 3-2 to someone, but just awful, you know what I mean? Just just put like just a chaotic game where no one can yeah. really yeah, defend. And I, Who's, who's going to win this? Who is going to win this? Bournemouth are going to win this. Okay. Just 1-0. Oh, yeah. What do you reckon, Mark? Um, I think Norwich are going to win it. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to well, go... I really don't feel strongly enough to argue. <laughs> 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 uh, what, you, what, any score on that? 2-0, 2-0, 2-0, I think. I, yeah. I was going to go with 0-0, but I'll be a bit more adventurous and go one all. Just looking at I'm building my, my accumulator for tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, under 2.5 goals in this game you double your money so that, that's what I'd be going <laughs> well, that's for that's not bad at all is it uh, right on the way uh, we're going to take a short break now but we're going to be speaking uh, about another team who weirdly I'm going to call them one of the form teams of the Premier League I can't believe I'm giving Southampton that tag I know it still feels alien to me all of the Premier League games as well we're going to round up those and also interestingly we're going to be taking a look at Ronaldo's diet just a quick one I had overnight oats for my breakfast. Something tells me Ronaldo mm. doesn't have that for his. Uh, that's on the way next on Football Social Daily, Premier League Preview Show. Football Social Daily, Premier League Preview. Sports Social. Welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Preview Show. Don't forget, you can get a fresh podcast every single day, no matter how you listen, through iTunes, Spotify. All you've got to do is like and subscribe. Earlier on, I mentioned... Strangely, still saying this, one of the form teams of the Premier League, Southampton. What a turnaround it has been for them. You know what the secret to, to the turnaround was? Get absolutely leathered by Leicester, and then suddenly you become unbelievable. Uh, Sam, Southampton, what a turnaround. Yeah. Um, it, was it start of December when everyone was under pressure? Harson Hutton, yeah. Marcus Silva, yeah. Unai yeah. Emery. I mean, who else? Um, Watford, Kiki Sanchez, Flores. Yeah. And I've... I was the, my answer to everything was the the players are clearly in a rut, yeah. and now you're going to change that. It's going to be the manager, and I can't remember what I said about Hassan at all. But I probably <laughs> said, "We'll have a, I, we'll I have a dig." Yeah, I yeah. can't imagine. I can't imagine. I said, "Get rid of the others, but keep Hassan at all." <laughs> I, I, I was probably of the view of the it, it doesn't. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> let's say I, I do remember saying I thought Watford would be okay under um, uh, Nigel Pearson. We yeah. can dig that one out. We can definitely yeah. dig that one out. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Southampton. I mean, yeah, I don't know where it's come from. Um, I've kind of read articles about how it's happened, but well, like the kind of the reasons why it's happened, like the the changes in midfield and more pressing and Danny Ings scoring goals. Well, I still don't know why that's happened. I don't know what's inspired that change, and that's why I'm kind of thinking now I've learned my lesson and maybe Bournemouth will be all right because there'll just be a spark from nowhere. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's 
it's a, a great turnaround, but it just it goes to show, and like as Mark said earlier on, it's all about the points and it, that end of the table. Like, look to go back to Manchester United, we think they've had a bad season, and they're fifth because they win games where you think they should be, and they, but they just do, and then they they have a couple and it looks like a disaster. But they 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 got more consistency than teams at the top. You take that down to the bottom of the league, and you just win two games out of four, and all of a sudden. Yeah, you're laughing yeah. and so this kind of turnaround in Southampton it makes all the difference because like you say talking about Bournemouth then we'll talk about Burnley your team's on the slide they're not picking up Norwich haven't yeah. picked up points in forever if you just get a couple of results then all of a sudden it, it completely changes but I mean fair, fair play to them because they really have turned it around I just wish I wish I knew why <laughs> I mean this, <laughs> this newly energised Southampton you know spearheaded by Danny Ings who seems to be finding the form of his life you know uh, playing Wolves on Saturday for me, I'm just leaning towards I can't see any other result than a Southampton win. I mean, what do you think, Mark? Well, it's, genuinely, I, I think the form they're in, they're playing with confidence, they're playing some yeah. nice football. How do you see it going? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm tempted to agree with you. I think that Danny Ings, like you mentioned there, his goal-scoring record, his I brought him in my fantasy team weeks and weeks ago, I'm proud to say, and I even captained him just before Christmas, much to Sam Lee's disgust. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you, City you, you know he's playing well when, when he's that happens. Two at Villa, when he's got two at Villa. That's I captained Greenish that week. That he, oh, he's yeah. fluked one, so <laughs> um, Yeah, like, Ings, I, I, I thought even when he was at Liverpool, I, he, he was very unlucky at Liverpool with his, with his uh, cruciate knee ligament injuries. But even when he just moved in and Brendan Bren Rodgers brought him in, he was always that kind of, you know, he, he just drives at goal or he's always in and around the six-yard box. He's kind of a little bit old-fashioned in that way, but he can also, you know, he's such a hard worker as well that he, he fits those pressing teams. And I think Southampton deserve a lot of credit for, for sticking by Hasenhutl after that 9-0. Um, you know, we talk a lot nowadays, I think, about buying into a philosophy of a manager or, you know, having faith in a system. But what that actually means is showing patience and, and taking the rough with the smooth and, and seeing it through. And that's exactly what they've done there. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm looking at Wolves. We move on to Wolves. They just look, they're kind of dropping off a little bit recently. That big Europa League campaign, I think, it, I think this is going to be like their 39th game of the season, which is more than any other, any other team in the Premier League's played so far. And I, I struggle to see any other result than a Southampton win just because... The, teams, the two teams seem to be moving in different directions at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's weird for Wolves. I mean, looking at some of the stats surrounding them currently, no winning five, obviously, uh, out of the cup versus United a few nights ago. Tough run of games coming up as well um, after the, uh, the, I mean, the Southampton game, obviously. Uh, but then, obviously, Liverpool, United, Leicester, Espanyol. They've got a, a real tough run of games now. I mean, are you not worried for Wolves because, you know, there's, no, there's nothing to worry about as such, yeah. but... They have slipped off again. Do you think it is just the amount of games, Fergal, or is there something deeper going on there? I think it's a, a combination of factors. Yeah, obviously the the fact they started the season a month earlier than everyone else, he's always going to get rolled out. But we also, on the other hand, have spoken on the podcast many times of maybe they've broken the hex of that. Maybe you know we've made too much of that in the past mm. and the teams that we've been talking about, the likes of Burnley or Aberdeen, maybe they just didn't have the squad. Maybe Wolves do have the squad. I think what's happening now is... There's situations in games where, and this might sound a bit petty, but things are not going for them. There was the VAR call against them in the FA Cup against United, which was correct. The, the Jimenez foul on Harry Maguire, but there was a couple of incidents in that. There was a couple of incidents in the the Newcastle game in the in the Premier League the weekend before, where you just thought nothing is going for them at the minute. And there was a there was a big scene in the second half where Nuno Santo was going mental at the, the fourth official over a foul on, on um, Hamutino midfield and Newcastle nearly scored. So I think what we're seeing at the moment is 
little things are not going their way. I know this sounds minor. No, but I know what you mean. Momentum, you know, we've talked about Southampton, we've talked about Bournemouth, we've talked about Watford. At this point in the season, momentum's absolutely massive, whether you're top of the league, bottom of the league, wherever you are. And at the moment, they've kind of got stuck. They need to be rewound a little bit and, and you know, refreshed ahead of what you say is a, a really busy run of difficult games. But I don't think there's any cause to panic for them. Um, they don't have any major injuries to deal with. Uh, I don't necessarily think they're going to go too hard in the January transfer window, nor, that he, nor do they need to. Um, but they need to kind of almost reset, remember what a good side they are. I think on their day, they're still one of the best sides in the league in terms of keeping the ball and creating chances for their forward players. But at the minute, those little things are affecting them and, and it's getting to Santo, it's getting to certain players. They just need to take a minute, step away and look to get themselves back on track. But I don't see any big reason to panic for them. Do you think that that could be, you know, we're in that phase now, aren't we, where a lot of the teams seem to just need that extra little bit just to re-energise, revitalise. Do you think, uh, you know, Nuno might be tempted to go into the transfer market in the, in this window, Sam? Yeah, I think, didn't they want more than they got in the summer as well? Um, but yeah, I guess so. But again, these these kind of things happen. Like I was talking about United there, they've just got that consistency. And I didn't expect a good season from United this season, but I didn't expect them to fall out of the top six. And at the moment, even though, you know, they're probably a couple of, and they're, they're another loss away from a crisis, they're still there. And it's the same thing with Wolves. They're, you know, they're only seventh. Yeah. They're, they're not, they haven't got the consistency to be in the top four. We know this. Um, this this is about their level. You know, these are the results. If you're going to finish in the top seven or eight, you go, you're going to have these patches of games. Because if not, you either win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. But what's more likely in football is you win three out of four, you lose three out of four, and then it just keeps flipping and flopping. And it just goes with, yeah, like I say, the small details. And then, But then something will change because they've got quality players. That, you know, it might just be a tight game, but there's a moment of inspiration from Traore or Jimenez or, or Doherty, whoever it may be. Moutinho, Neves, look, they've got loads. Dendonka could be any of them. Johnny, left back, there's loads. So, yeah, I, I think they were right. Like, like, to go back to your question earlier about in terms of should we worry about them, I don't think they'd be that worried. Should they buy someone in January... Well, yeah, because you know we're talking about the the games they've got now. You know, this will be their thirty ninth game. They've got big games coming up. It's not going to get any easier. They're not going to get less tired as the season goes on. If they could find a couple of solutions to mix things up in their team a bit, yeah, ideal. But I mean, they've got Mendes doing it, pulling the strings for yeah. them. And if he if he can't get it done, then no one's going to. So yeah, yeah, I think they've got a bit of a small squad. I think they've. If you look at the bench, I had a look at the bench the other night when I was doing the United FA Cup game and. It was it was very much the same against, as against Newcastle in the Premier League, so it's not an FA Cup thing. But you had like kids on there. You had a young Danish lad. His name escapes me now, but I think the backup for Jimenez is a lad called Benny Ashley Seal, who's like a young striker, but um, you know promising. But I mean, I I nearly signed him for Chorley in the Conference on Football Manager. Okay, so like <laughs> I think that says everything about where he's at, the level he's at. at the he minute. missed his chance. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> So um, I, I, Cotron, I, I, they got Catroni in the summer, didn't they? Which is kind of he's like just gone, he's gone back. He's gone back to Fiorentina. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, that, that's what I mean. Like yeah. they got him as when they were looking in the summer for big names, yeah, or big players to come in. Well, yeah, big names because of the players they attracted. They were like, oh, we'll have more of these. Yeah. It was like, oh, Catroni from from AC Milan. Let's see how that goes. And then he goes, and it's like, oh, they they need more depth now, not less. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think you know, you just look at a couple of bodies. Sam's right. They've got brilliant contacts in, in certain sections of the uh, in the agent industry. So maybe maybe it's reaching out to those. But I would I would look to get that just to shore up that position because, you know, if, if they had a bigger squad, we might be talking about a team that could challenge for the top four. And, it, and it's a bit of a shame that, that that possibility isn't really open because they've played so many games and they're so fatigued. 
Just to move back to Southampton uh, quickly, Fergal. Do you think the fact that they managed to field the same eleven, um, you know, for the last the last three games, three games in a row, the same starting eleven, which for most teams in the Premier League is quite a challenge when you've got yep. so many injuries piling up this time of the year. Do you think that's a big thing as well? Finally, getting that consistency, particularly at the back of the midfield, I think for Southampton as well. How much of uh, an impact has that had? Do you reckon? I think it's crucial, as I said before, these these small differences that, that teams in their position need to go in their favour and to keep the momentum going. And I think one of the crucial things, obviously, we're talking about where is the penny drop for Southampton. And yes, the form of Ings has obviously been massive, but I'm just looking here. The four games they've won in the Premier League, all the goal, all their winning goals have come in the second half. And I think that ties in with this idea of the same starting eleven. If you're in a situation around 60, 70 minutes, and number one, you know... If something falls for Ings, he'll put it in the back of the net. But I also think, crucially, if you're drawing or you're losing, you've got that confidence in the players around you to know that, well, last week we pulled it back. The week before, we got a draw. And I think that that all feeds into this confidence and this forward motion that they've got at the minute, which is, you know, we've got enough confidence in each other. Let's not panic. That goal will come. If Ings doesn't get it, someone will come up and score from a set piece. Don't panic. Keep the ball. Don't make silly mistakes keep your head and wait for that chance. And, and that only comes from having players next to you in midfield or defence that you trust because you're used to playing with them. And it sounds very, very basic and very rudimentary, but it's actually huge. And Harson Huttle has mentioned it himself, having the luxury of not having major injury problems, but also being able to say, I'm confident in these 11 players, go out and do a job for me. So let's uh, get a few predictions in for this game. Um, quite an hard one to call, really, Sam. What do you, how do you see it going? Yeah, it is a hard one to call. Um, one all. What about you, Mark? What do you reckon? Um, yeah, it's like typically like seventh game or match of the day, isn't it? <laughs> like, I think it's going to be one nil Southampton. Fergal, what are you saying? I'm going to agree with Sam. One all. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I draw, but then again, no, I'm going to go for Southampton. Me, I'm going to go for Southampton to win. Can they keep it going? Uh, right, we're going to move on to some of the other fixtures happening across this weekend in the Premier League. Uh, I'm going to uh, come to uh, each of you and just uh, throw you a game, and you've got to tell them what you think. Uh, Watford and Tottenham. Uh, this could be an interesting one. Obviously, Nigel Pearson's sort of revitalised, as you mentioned earlier, Sam. They've had that moment, haven't they, where they've sort of gone. This is our turnaround moment of the season. They've gone out, you know, potentially out of danger. Really, do you think? Not quite out of danger because you know you can easily fall back in it, but they they're looking good. They've got a bit of structure about them. Yep. that's what I think. That's what they needed. It's what a lot of teams need at that level because you know things can slide quite quickly. Uh, I think Troy Deeney's spoken at length about how Pearson's been on the man management front as well, so that's helped. I think I said earlier about the the Bournemouth game being a shocker. This could be a real bad one to watch. It might be one of those where like nobody <laughs> wants the ball. You know, Pearson could be like, well, we'll just kind of set up and be solid, and you can have a look. But Spurs. Yeah. They're not going to be particularly probing with it either, I don't think. Um, obviously, Spurs have got the potential to to play really well, but with Mourinho, you're never quite sure how they want to play, how they want to how they want to face it. You'd think they might, you know, focus on being a bit more solid and playing with the fast players. You know, that their game plan suits playing on the counter attack. But I think both teams would want to do that, so it might not be a great game to watch. Do you think they're going to buy as well, Spurs, in this window? I should wait till the summer. Well, again. Mendes seems to be focusing on Spurs more than Wolves at the minute, which might be Wolves' problem. But um, yeah, again, Harry Kane's hamstring injury obviously seems a bad one. Mm. But I mean, it looks like loans. They're, they're, they're doing a lot of loans. Again, that kind of suits Levy's business ideas as well. I mean, yeah, it seems like they're in the market. It seems like they're scrabbling around. And look, there's two weeks to go before the window closes. And it already seems like they're trying to make something happen. So you, I can see something happening there. And but, I mean, go- don't ask me who. How do you see it going, Watford or Tottenham? It is at Vicarage Road, don't forget. Yeah, exactly. Um, probably Tottenham, just about. Mm. But no no result would surprise me, to be fair. 
Mark, I know you... that's not very useful. <laughs> <laughs> what that, do you think? I think Watford might. Uh, I think Matt Watford might get a result. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it could be a weekend where we're all like, oh no, Mourinho in crisis. <laughs> yeah, drink, drink is a yeah, yeah, I'd I'd follow on from that as well. I right. really would. Next game, uh, Mark. We're looking at Arsenal. Um, versus Sheffield United. Uh, how do Arsenal cope in this game? I, I've got a feeling. I've got a funny little feeling that we might get a few. Not even actually, it's not even a shock result, is it? Because Sheffield United are playing so well. Uh, how do you see this one going? You're right. It's not. It wouldn't be a shock anymore, especially given that I think Arsenal's record at home. They've only won one at, at home in seven, which is the last one to be fair. And you know, Arteta so far. I think we've seen a lot of positives. We've seen um, the start of a, of a system there. Um, but the, the thing is, they're missing a Bamiyang uh, after he got sent off against Palace. And the Palace game, I thought they were really poor, especially in an attacking sense, not taking many shots at goal. No, they went ahead and they perhaps wanted to hold the result a difficult place to go, but wasn't wasn't that eye catching to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if um, if Sheffield United get a result, maybe only a draw. I think the one thing to remark about this game is that it's Mike Dean's five hundredth. Game in of a Premier League. Have you game? bought him a card? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry? <laughs> Have you bought him a card? No, no, no he's, he's got plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you, do you think that we've not, you know, it's way too early to make any, you know, sort of wild kind of um, claims, but we've not really seen the Arteta effect, have we? What we thought we'd see. I, I don't, me as a City fan, I was bigging him up and saying, oh, you watch, I was going to revolutionise it. And it's going to take a long time, but he's not. Not that new manager bounce, I don't think, really, Arsenal. Is it, I suppose, like, so two wins, two draws and a defeat. And the defeat was the Chelsea game where they, they were on top and they were winning for a long time, but, you know, then then let it slip. I, I know what you mean. It's it's definitely, it's, they're definitely mixed. But like I said, I think you have seen the start of at least some kind of, um, and I've read about it on The Athletic, in fact, oh. Michael Cox's articles. <laughs> the, you, you're seeing the start of a, uh, you're seeing the start oh, of a system. You're seeing the start of some attacking play, some a little bit more coherent, certainly, He's he's getting he's putting players in the, in their best positions I think which is something that Emery was guilty mm. of not doing and it's going to take time and I think last week that definitely showed the fact that he needs to be showed patience but there's the there's the start of something there. Let's get a quick score prediction: Arsenal, uh, Sheffield United. What do you think that um, One one, I would say. Vogel. Yeah, I'd mirror that. Um, for Arsenal, the Sheffield United defeat at Bramall Lane at the start of the season was. A real eye-opener for a lot of Arsenal fans. I think the, the intensity they showed, Arsenal were absolutely nowhere. They were chasing shadows all night and I think Sheffield United haven't really slowed down in that sense. There's been little signs of improvement under Arteta but no great wave of change just yet so I, I'd go one all as well. Let's sound what you're saying. I think Arsenal nick it 2-1. I think it'll be close and again, I remember saying this about when Sheffield United went to Spurs earlier in the season. I was like, I don't know what the score's going to be but I think Sheffield United are going to come out of it really well. People go, oh, they could have, they could have, but whatever they... Whatever they get, if they win or they lose, it's gonna be like they, they they deserve to do do well out of that game. But I think Arsenal will nick it on individual quality, maybe. Moving on, uh, Brighton versus Villa. Um, this is gonna be an interesting one, I think, in the sense that we might even get to see who's gonna be better equipped to survive in the Premier League. Virgil, I mean, is it one of them games that doesn't fill you with much? Uh, Excitement. Excitement. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Is that unfair? That's a running theme for the weekend. This has been one of the most miserable podcasts I've been involved in this season. Um, Brighton Villa, yeah. I kind of used the word naivety uh, that I used with Norwich before. I think if Brighton are going to survive, I think Potter has to tweak what he's done so far this season with Brighton. There's been there's been good and there's been bad, but again, they need to realise the situation that they're in. They're only in 14th. They're one defeat away from getting sucked right into that battle. Um, and as for Villa, they're in it already. Um, mm. and, and I mentioned it on 
uh, Friday show of I don't really think it matters who they buy in the transfer window. I think they seem to be in a bit of a, a, a downward spiral, whereas Brighton have got players in that squad that are experienced in these situations right the way through the team that can that can maybe dig them out of it. Uh, Villa don't seem to have anyone. And I think Brighton's home record is relatively good so far this season. If they can get enough points on the board at home between now and, let's say, April time, I think they'll have enough. But as for Villa, yes, they've had horrendous luck with that double injury for Tom Heaton and Wesley, but I think already the the writing's on the wall for them, for me. Hey, what score do you reckon? Uh, Brighton to win. Yeah, what do you think, Mark? Brighton. Villa in free fall at the minute, I think. Full clean sweep, Sam, what do you reckon? Brighton 1-0, unless Grealish does something good on his own. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one for Villa, I think. I mean, like I agree with you, Fergal. I think no matter who they get in, they've just seemed to be on that. Yeah. It's a slippery slope, isn't it, really? Uh, moving on to uh, Man City versus Crystal Palace. I mean, me being slightly biased with my with my City hat on here, I can't see this going any other way other than a City win. Comprehensive City victory as well for me. Uh, Sam, uh, anything we need to know ahead of the uh, City game at weekend? Need to know? Um, I don't know. F- fancy Premier League managers... <laughs> I always get asked and like last weekend I was like the only thing I could tell you for sure is De Bruyne is going to play and the rest no idea this week pff, not a clue but I'm, I'm with you and I know obviously Palace beat City last year yeah. and I was a, a real shock and obviously this season City haven't been as good but I think City have turned that corner now I think they're looking much better again I, I think could be a kiss of death or whatever I think City will win this quite easily but yeah in terms of need to know Guardiola has just got a proper selection headache because all of the players pretty much like Jesus, Bernardo, Mares, two of those, three of those maybe even could be on the bench but they've all been great they all deserve to play but the other ones are, you know, Sterling's probably going to come back in I guess. Um, Aguero's going to play you'd imagine. De Bruyne's going to play probably David Silva because Pep loves him he's had a week off so yeah, it's they've got too many options but they, we, it should be, you know, could, should we, be good for could we see a high scoring fixture? What score do you yeah, reckon? Yeah, possibly. It could be... Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I know that, I know Palace won there last year, but if it was 4-5-0, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, do you agree with that, Mark? 3-0, I reckon. 3-0, Fergal? Yeah, I think it would be easy for City. See the way they pulled Villa to bits. And yeah, Palace have had a, a good record and a few shock results in the last couple of seasons, but City City should just tear them to bits. Yeah, they seem they seem better prepared now yeah. To, yeah. to to get around the deep defences. You know, they're creating more chances and creating more spaces for the players. Getting, you know, players like Mahrez in one-on-one situations and that, and it suits them much better. They They look much better. The David Moyes derby next, West Ham and uh, Everton. <laughs> Who hates David Moyes more? <laughs> That's the question, I suppose. I think this is such a mad situation. Uh, I, I want to ask the two guys, what what's worse when dealing with David Moyes? Is it worse to have David Moyes for a long time or to have David Moyes twice? <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, Everton only hate him because he left for United. He didn't. They don't. They don't hate him because he did a crap job. And yeah, but even West, like he did all right at West Ham as well, didn't he? To be yeah, fair, but it's one of those now. It's like where you had Pellegrini, and the expectation was that you were going to be playing good football, and he didn't get him. They haven't even tried to go. Okay, well, we'll try and get someone else who's progressive and plays good football. They go, oh, we'll get David Moyes then. So I can see why they're not happy about that. But I mean, what, what's worse? Um, I don't know. <laughs> and what's worse now? What would what would be worse now? I, is, I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't know. Is it, is he's it, all right. Anyways. Is it worse to have David now. Moyes in the house when you come home, or is the fear of the fact that he could turn up at any time worse? I think that's probably what I was getting at. <laughs> I, I, I just think the fear that he could turn up unannounced at any point as well. I think that was more worrying. Uh, the thing is, as well, it, it kind of with West Ham especially, they, they found themselves in a position they didn't expect themselves to be in at this time of the season, undoubtedly. So. Bringing Moyes in, as much as it probably has angered some fans, it kind of makes sense because obviously last time 
he did all right when he was there, as Sam said. When it comes to Everton, again, they've been under fire after, the, especially after the Liverpool game uh, a couple of weeks back, and then you know they've been sort of since Ancelotti's come in, they've kind of ground out a few results, and it's been a bit sketchy, hasn't it? Really, how do you see this one uh, panning out, Mark? I think, yeah, I think it's very early to tell with both these managers, isn't it? Because they've had so few games and especially over a, a, over a kind of winter period that's been so congested, it's difficult for them to get on the training pitch and get their ideas across. Um, you might have your own thoughts on how many ideas David Moyes has after our conversation there. But anyway, um, I think that, yeah, I think this is... I, I'm backing Everton on this one, I think, because even though that Liverpool FA Cup result was so shocking, the league form has generally impressed me. And I think the system that he's got in place there with the wing-backs now, that's looking pretty good. So, And he's also had a little bit more time with his players, like I said, uh, than Moyes has. So I'm, I'm backing Everton for this one. Yeah, how about yourself, Lou? Uh Yeah, just about. Uh, I don't really think Ancelotti, the Ancelotti effect has taken uh, full effect just yet, but I, I just think David Moyes hasn't got going. In the race to see who's got going, Ancelotti's just edging him, and I think Everton will just edge this game. It's looking like there's a few injury concerns up front for Everton as well. Uh, I know that uh, Moyes Keane might be starting the game if Ancelotti sticks to the 4-4-2. Obviously, he's still... Yeah. No, no Sigurdsson, no Richarlison. Yeah, so I mean, could yeah. that could that play a part? I mean, you've yeah, got a striker sure. there. I mean, Calvert-Lewin's in, in decent form, so I suppose he's going to be playing. Yeah, well, uh, the, the thing about Everton is, in terms of the effect of a new manager, yeah, obviously the, Everton, uh, the Liverpool game was just lamentable, wasn't it, the second mm. half. But in terms of the Premier League games, apart from City, they did all right against City, but didn't deserve to win or, or even get a draw. But they've been winning, they've been winning those games, you know, who was it, Newcastle-Burnley... Um, Brighton. Brighton last yeah. weekend like they're the games you need to be winning if you're Everton mm. so fair enough that, I think that's where the that's where the difference has been yeah. and we were talking about Norwich earlier their one win in 17 that was Everton under Marco Silva yeah. so that, that's been the turnaround um, yeah I, normally you'd think I was I was toying with going for an Everton win but I think with those injuries it seems a bit more like a draw to be honest yeah um, Newcastle Chelsea Fergal not really much we can say about this to be fair it's you know it, <laughs> I don't, it's hard to call in, in, in a lot of ways, but I, I just don't. There's not that much that's exciting about this game this weekend. Am I wrong? No, I, I'd agree with you. I think Steve Bruce is going to want to batten down the hatches. They've got quite a few injuries. Um, he said in his press conference that there's going to be four or five fitness tests that they're waiting on ahead of ahead of Chelsea. Um, and I still don't think Chelsea have fully got back to the kind of late 2019 form that we saw where they were really impressive going forward and, and nice and solid at the back. Um, again, I don't think there's any reason for them to panic, but I still think they've, they've not quite got back into the groove yet. And Newcastle at St. James's Park, it's always very difficult to back against them. Um, and I think when you look at the situation they've got with injuries, he'll want to just keep it nice and tight, don't do anything silly. And I can see them getting a, getting a draw um, against the Chelsea side that, as I say, on their day, you'd expect them to to put two or three past there, past Newcastle, but they're not quite uh, back up to full speed just yet. So I'd probably go for a draw here. Do you reckon the draw's a fair shout, Mark? I, I'm back in Chelsea, I think. I, I know that they haven't been that impressive of late. And to be honest, I think given the start that they had, it's pretty it's pretty poor just how far away. They, they've kind of made their own little mini league for themselves between United and Leicester. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I just, Newcastle really, I, I don't understand how they're, they're in the position they're in because they don't, they're not that impressive of a football team and I think they are one of those that could drop down. We're talking about how tight it is at the bottom. I reckon Chelsea win, yeah. Yeah, Sam? Yeah, I think Chelsea, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's quite an hard one to call because for me, Chelsea, they're still susceptible to a bit of a blip now and again, I think. Like you said, Fergal, they've not got that form that they had you know, a 
late on in 2019. And Newcastle, you just don't know what you're going to get. No. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs> I know that's the mad thing. Uh, and let's uh, round it off with the uh, final Premier League fixture. Uh, Burnley versus Leicester. The big news is that we're hearing that Jamie Vardy's going to be back. Obviously, that's going to be a huge, huge plus for Leicester. Who, let's face it, as well as they've done all season, they've, they've dropped off of late. We've seen a couple of uh, you know slip-ups, some points dropped. Uh, Sam, how do you see this going? Obviously, it's at Turf Moor. Do you expect Leicester to sort of uh, bounce back? Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of very similar to to the last game. You kind of you know what you're going to get from the home side, just just about. Um, but there's not an awful lot of creativity about either Newcastle or Burnley. Um, Leicester and Chelsea have got quite a lot about them. They've got individual talent. They're they're well coached. Um, yeah, I think Leicester. I think Leicester will be all right. Yeah. I think it could be. I don't know. They might win two or three nil. Yeah, Matt. Burnley, another one of these teams that are just slipping down. Like I think they've lost seven, seven of the last nine. Um, so yeah, I, I imagine Leicester will get things back on track. We, you always expected a couple of blips in the road for them, just because of how well they started, and we were, you know, were they really this good a team? But uh, yeah, back to normal, normal service resumed. I think Leicester win. Yeah, yeah. they make it a full house. I think Burnley, the way they play, um, you know, I, I do think it's a bit short sighted to say that the. You know, very direct, but they look to get uh, runners from midfield up to help Chris Wood out as quickly as possible. And I think Leicester with Johnny Evans and Kagalosunku, they're well able to deal with that. And then I think at the other end, the best teams in the league struggle to cope with Vardy's pace and his persistence. And you've got James Madison popping up in little pockets, Yuri Tielemans breaking forward. And I just think eventually that they'll crack through Burnley. Burnley, I, I could see them shutting out maybe until half time, but I think Leicester have got so much goal threat and so much speed that they should have enough for, for, for three points. There we go. That's our Premier League uh, fixtures rounded up. Just very quickly as well. Um, I don't know if you saw this uh, all over social media um, earlier on. Uh, Ronaldo is secret to uh, staying in shape. He's 34 and he is still the... <laughs> the I mean, the shape that this guy is in is insane. But I mean, he's saying it's all because he has um, several naps every day and he's got a real bespoke diet. Let me run through the, the diet that supposedly... Uh, I don't know how this is leaked, by the way. I don't know if his personal chef has just sort of leaked this to people. Uh, it's breakfast, cheese and ham. Um, fair enough. I mean, lunch one. I like the fact there's these several lunches as well to this. Uh, chicken and salad. Lunch two is tuna, olives, egg and tomato. For snacks, fresh fruit and avocado toast. Uh, dinner number one. I mean, he's eating a lot, isn't he? I mean, it's all quite healthy. Fresh swordfish and salad. Dinner two, steak and calamari. So there's the secret to uh, looking at Ronaldo, apparently. I think when you read through that, none of it, none of it sounds too... Uh, out there apart from swordfish you know swordfish. access to swordfish in, in the UK is not, not exactly easy um, but I just think the way it's all set up is just mad like the, the cheese and ham I was, I was saying to Mark before we started recording it sounds like either a hangover breakfast or a kid's <laughs> breakfast where you've opened the fridge and gone I'm, I'm too hungover to make a sandwich I'll just eat it out of the pack that'll, yeah. do, that'll do me yeah, you see the thing is he'll have, he'll have the finest chefs in the world he's not going to have a Derrily Dunkers and uh, no, you know, no, a little bit of no, like the Finn Ham is he I don't think it's Billy Bear that he's digging out of the fridge <laughs> but it does look like he's gone nah go on I'll just eat this I mean, on a serious note I mean let's just compare that I mean for for dinner what was your dinner compared to what, what, what he had uh, I'm put on the spot here now I actually had pizza I feel, I feel really bad he's really putting me to shame no there's no swordfish for me I know I had pizza that's it but honestly how, how long do you think he can play on for Ronaldo are we going to see him you know I think he'll just Bionic keep playing, man, playing, isn't playing. He? I think yeah like 40 do you reckon he'd be like Stanley Matthews or something going at 54 like or with a robotic it's just whether we can deal with like the numbers <laughs> dropping off but then maybe if he goes that's to true. if he goes to MLS and just plays like kind of central striker and gets in a team that gives him chances he can he can keep it up, but if, if all yeah. you know, he's used to scoring yeah. like a goal a game for like ten years more. 
for a second so, there, Sam. I thought you were going to say it depends if he can keep finding swordfish. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, I think he could uh, go on and on and on. Okay, that is it for Football Social Daily Premier League preview show. I've been Adam Brown. Uh, thank you to Sam. Cheers, lads. Uh, thanks to Mark. Cheers, mate. And Fergal, thank you. Thanks very much. Don't forget, you can get a fresh Premier League podcast every day on the Sports Social with the latest updates from all 20 Premier League teams. For the latest on your team, just ask your Alexa to enable Sport Social. Football Social Daily Premier League Preview. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.